This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. I'm going to be happy for people, and that's it. And it's the gratitude portion as well, is learning to be grateful. Because in a heart filled with gratitude, there is no room for comparisons and discontentment. dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for being here again. This is Andy Hill, and today we're chatting about contentment. Yes, loving who we are and what we have instead of wanting what our neighbors, friends, and family have. Sounds simple enough, right? Well, in a world where we can see our friends and families every accomplishment or vacation or home upgrade, it's tough not to get jealous from time to time on social media. To help us enjoy more and covet less, I've invited Rachel Cruz on the show today. Rachel is a New York Times bestselling author, a nationally recognized speaker who focuses on helping others become smart with their money. She's appeared on some of the highest rated morning shows in the country, including Today, Fox and Friends, and Good Morning America. Her most recent book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, which shares seven money habits for living the life you want, recently came out. And as a mother to two young girls and a dedicated wife, Rachel's family and financial perspective is perfect for this show. Thank you so much for being here, Rachel. Yeah, Andy, thanks for having me. So, Rachel, you know, when our parents were growing up, they used to say, keeping up with the Joneses, right? That was the thing, right? And now, according to your book that I just had the chance to read, We've got the Joneses in our pockets. I know. How does this comparison game like affect our lives? Oh, it's so different in our world today versus our parents' generation. You're exactly right. You know, thanks to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we carry them around in our phones. And so they're in our purses, they're in our back pockets, they're everywhere. And they're Joneses we don't even know. Like they used to be our neighbors. And now it's like people across the world even that we don't even know. So it is, it's so difficult. And I hate to like blame social media on everything because I like social media. I think there's pros to it for sure. But I think we have to recognize that it is the vehicle that takes us down this road of comparisons. Yeah. So have you personally dealt with this in your life? I, I love your book. I'd love to share some of your personal stories. Yes, absolutely. I was telling someone earlier, when I write my books, I do them all out of things I've experienced. And I remember over and over again, just hitting this comparison wall where I would look at other moms on Instagram and I'm like, they just feel like they have it all together. Or I'd look at someone in their career. I'm like, she's like taking off. Like, why is my stuff not like gravitating like hers? Like, right. I mean, it's just constant. And and then even lifestyle stuff, right? Yeah. Not just career and family, but it's vacations, like you said, cars, everything. And I just remember thinking, okay, if I'm battling with this and I want to throw my phone across the room half the time when I'm looking at stuff, or do other people struggle with this? So I kind of started talking about it and people just gravitated towards it. And now I feel like it's more of a common conversation. But four years ago, not everyone talked about the comparison game. And so I realized, financially speaking, that not only does it make you discontent in who you are, your heart and your emotions, but people go into debt, deep debt, to keep up a lifestyle that they think everyone else is living and they're missing out on. And Andy, you know this better than anyone, but like people are broke, right? And, And we're following people that are not being wise financially, statistically speaking. And so what you're seeing is possibly a lie. Like yeah. the beach vacation looks great, but like, you have no idea if it's just all in credit cards and it's they're going to get in fights in their marriage about this for the next three months. Like you have no idea what's going on. 
So what do we do? Do we delete the social media accounts? <laughs> do we throw our phones across the Sometimes, room? Sometimes, yeah. What, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, I think I think everyone is it's a little different, but I do think and recognize that some people it is shutting it off. And I've gone through seasons like this summer. I was like, there's a few weeks I just don't even want to be on. I want to be with my girls and just I kind of just get sick of it sometimes. I really do. So there are times that I just kind of put up a personal boundary of like, eh, I'm not gonna get on as much. And then there's other times where I'm great with it. I'm like, no, this is so fun and and I'll get on more. So I I'd say it's person to person for sure. But the main emotion we're dealing with and what you said in your intro is so true. It's the contentment piece. And if you're finding yourself constantly comparing and that you can't overcome it, then yeah, maybe you do something drastic like delete it and get off of it for a while. Um, But I think that there is this place that we can just recognize, okay, what's the reality of going on? The reality is that we may not know what's going on with this family and and, and not that we're going to put this judgment on them by any means, because I did that too. I hate to say it, Andy. I would see people like, oh, I bet it's just all on credit cards. (laughs) And I would like try to justify it in my mind. But yeah, if you can get to your, your place emotionally where you're like, you know what? I'm going to be happy for people. And that's it. And it's the gratitude portion as well as learning to be grateful. Because in a heart filled with gratitude, there is no room for comparisons and discontentment. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about having a more content life. What what can people do to live a more content life? Because it sounds awesome, right? I want contentment. That sounds great. Right. And it's something we all struggle with, no matter how much money you have, right? What can we do to be more content? Well, the first thing I have found is what I just said, but it's gratitude. I mean, gratitude... It, it, it covers a multitude of sins, it feels like, because when you can really get to a place in your life where like, you know what, I am just thankful. I'm thankful. And I did something just, it's very tactical, but I write down two things every morning that I'm grateful for. And I keep a notes thing on my phone. And now I've been doing it for a while. So I have this long list of all these things. And so when I get to that place, if I'm on Instagram or, you know, my mind's like mush watching all these people's lives. I'm like, okay, I go to that list. I really do. And I just scroll through it. I'm like, God, I have so much, so much that you've given me to be grateful for. And so gratitude helps, yeah, me tremendously. But what's what's hard is that contentment is not laziness or apathy. It's not like you're like, oh, I'm happy of where I am. So I'm going to stay stagnant in life. Like you can still have goals. You can still be driving towards things for sure. Um, but having that peace in the present is what's key. Yeah. And you, you also talk about humility in your book too. And it's it's a funny thing for me as I was as I was reading it because you're you're a very successful woman and you know you have to combine that humility side with also just promoting yourself too. So how do you, yeah. how do you combine that? Cause I mean, that, that's probably, that's probably a tough situation for you. It is. Um, and we're here at FinCon right now. So I'm going to be doing, talking about this a little bit in my keynote later today, but, um, I have found that my work where I've placed myself is that I am here to help people. That is not about me. Like, yeah, my show on YouTube is the Rachel Cruz show. So it sounds self-promoting, right? It's just an easy branding name. But really my job is to help guide people through their lives. And I am not the hero in their stories. They are the hero. The mom in Kansas City, the couple in San Diego, like these people in America and and all over, granted, that are watching, like it's about them. So when I'm self-promoting or when I'm pushing, you know, my YouTube or my book, it's because I truly believe what is in that content is going to change people's lives. And so it's not for me to become famous and rich and all this stuff, right? Like that's not the point of it because that's shallow and very unfulfilling if you chase that for so long. Um, but knowing that what's in there is truly going to help people and it brings them hope. So that's what, that's what I do. That's what I think of instead of, it's just all about me. I think you've got to read my book because it's going to help change you. I love it. I love it. So it helps when you get personal. So what ways do you struggle personally with discontentment? I would say as a mom, I have two young girls and 
you know, juggling. I say juggling, not balancing. It's a juggle. <laughs> and sometimes the balls are falling right. everywhere, right? Um, I think for me, the discontentment side can come as a working mom. A lot of my friends are stay-at-home moms. And there are times that I'm like, okay, I have to get up at 3 a.m. to catch a 6 a.m. flight to a non-glamorous convention center. Like, you know, it's not like it's a glamorous job necessarily. Um, and there are totally times that I'm like, I'm going to miss fire truck day or whatever this little thing is at her preschool. And like, and that's hard as a mom. I'll be honest. And it's getting harder the older my girls are. So I'm finding ways to help that with my schedule and figuring out more flexibility. I'm saying no more than I ever have to. So, so that's, I would say in my personal life, it says it's not money necessarily. It's not the financial side of my life, but it's, it's the mom side of my life right now. And I, I believe you talk about this in your book too. When you say no to one thing, you're saying yes to another. So talk about that a little bit more for the working moms out there that are trying to give their, their family the best lives possible. What, what is the benefit of saying no? Yes. The benefit of saying no, I think on the work side is that you are, that, that there's a chance that you're going to be with your family again. Right. And, and I tell moms all the time, like when you go home, if you're a working mom, put your phone away and dads, this can preach to both genders for sure, but like put the phone away, put it away. And after the kids go to bed, then you can get it back out. But I, and I'm guilty of this. I'm like, how many times do I get home? And I'm like, and I subconsciously have opened up Instagram and I'm just scrolling through. I'm like, what am I doing? So Winston, my husband and I, we like have this thing that we just put our phones on the kitchen table and we're gone. And we're in the living room, we're playing. It's like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing for me. Um, and so that's what you have to realize when you're saying no to something, you're saying yes. But when you're saying yes, be present, be all there. I like it. I like it. You talk in your book about creating values, you know, having a life of value. Yeah. Do you and Winston sort of chart out what those family values are and and you guys know what those are before you go into every day? How how does that work for you and your family? No, we haven't done it that formally. Um, We have some overriding principles. um, I understand you guys are a religious family, so that probably helps quite a bit, you know, with with defining the values, but I I was just wondering if there's any specifics that you guys do outside of that. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I would say overall, Winston and I's big thing right now is, and and I think the values um, enter into your dreaming side too, of like, what are we going do like as our family that's the great thing about being a family you get to choose what you value in life you get to choose what your dreams are what your goals are like you get to do this together and so Winston and I have been more intentional than ever in these last few years of looking at kind of short-term dreams we say like five years or less what are things we want to accomplish as a family financially yes um, but in other things like are, is there a trip that we want to do this and we want to do certain things with the girls like what are the things we want to do and so it's more of that for us in this season than like necessarily listed out values but yeah for sure our faith is a huge foundation I mean that's like the foundation of everything we do Uh, within our parenting and our marriage and our money. We'll be back to the show in just a moment after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. 
If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for considering our sponsors today, everybody. Let's jump back into that interview. Let's, let's keep on the marriage topic for a second. You know, I got the name of the show, Marriage, Kids, and Money. I, <laughs> I know, I, we got to talk I got, about marriage. <laughs> I got to keep, keep it up, right? So you, you talk on, I, I saw this great video on the Rachel Cruz show on YouTube, everybody. Great, great show. I'll put that in the show, show notes for everybody. Thank you. Um, you. You talk about the different types of money talks, and um, you had uh, aligned those as story, fear, giving, and grace. Would you mind talking about those a little yes, bit with us? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so... When it comes to money and marriage, these are two issues that a lot of people struggle with. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of fights. There's a lot of eye rolls when people get together with their couples as a couple. So a couple of things is that start the conversation. I think the first conversation to have is I call it the story talk. And talk about where you've come from with money. Like, how did you grow up? Because your household growing up was your classroom, essentially. And there's we all have lessons that we've taken away for the good. And there's lessons that we wish we could unlearn from our parents, right? We all have those. And it's like, oh, so so figure out, though, understand where your spouse grew up. Did they grow up in a household where money was a stress point, where they heard their parents fight? Maybe money was never mentioned. They, you never talked about money. Uh, maybe it was talked about all the time. I have one friend that was um, doing this content, and she told me, she was like, oh, my gosh, Rachel, my dad would come home and at dinner would tell us, like, all right, guys, we got $5,000. What do we want to do with it? And they, and they would walk through, invest. I mean, he would talk about it just so open, like numbers and everything. So everyone grew up so different, but when you can understand where your spouse is coming from, you have more grace in your conversations with them and you understand why they handle money the way they do. Because a lot of it is shaped from our childhood. So the story talk is huge. Um, The fear talk Mm -hmm. is one too, that we all have financial fears and Les Parrott, Dr. Les Parrott, he's a marriage expert and he's brilliant, wonderful. So I get to do some events with him and he talks about these. I I stole them. I was like, Les, I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit, but I got to teach on it too because it's so good but we you know women's number one fear with money is the lack of security 
that if something happens, we don't, we won't have the money. If it's a, if someone loses their job, if there's a medical emergency. So that security, there's a security gland in every woman that not all men have. And so that's huge. So that's a fear for a lot of women. There's uh, the lack of dreams that meaning that your dreams will not become a reality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've talked to people like, you know, I, whatever it is, I loved horses and my whole dream growing up was like, I would have a horse, but now I'm in the suburbs. I'm 42. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to, that dream's never going to come alive. So, so your dream's not becoming a reality is for sure a financial fear. Uh, there's also the fear of the lack of influence mm-hmm. that you feel like you speak up and your spouse doesn't hear you. There's the lack of respect. And I hear, you know, men and women both say this, but some men are like, she won't listen to me. Like she doesn't respect my opinion because she does all the grocery shopping and she does all the errands. She tells me, I don't know what I'm talking about. So there's, there's definitely these financial fears. And so kind of figure that out. And it may not be one of those four, but but what is that fear? Because when you can understand your spouse's money fear, you can understand how to combat them and how to empathize with them, yeah. um, which is huge. And so, um, okay, remind me of the other four because I actually have six. That Giving I talk and on. grace. Give it, okay. so, I, I only so gave I four on the show. There. I, I, no, I only gave four on the show because we didn't have time to do all six. <laughs> oh, there so you we, go. I picked some. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the giving talk, and yeah. so this is really important because giving for me is a foundational money principle mm-hmm. that I want everyone to be involved in. So no matter where you are financially, I say give. A a little until you can give a lot. Be givers, like learn to give and to serve. It's so huge. And so with marriage though, I find that there's usually a calculated giver, someone, that's my husband, like our giving, we've been blessed to be able to be a blessing. Like we have been able to give a ton and it's been so fun, but he treats our giving, I mean, I'm serious, as seriously as our like retirement funds. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, automatic giving, right? Yeah. When we, <laughs> and, and like, w- like who we're giving to, like he yeah. digs in, he asks questions, like he is so has the responsibility factor of like God has given us this to manage and I'm going to, we're going to do it well, Rachel. We're not going to just throw money at something like we have to make sure that they're handling it well. Like, so he's just a calculated giver through and through where I'm an emotional giver. As you can probably imagine, I see something. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to be a part of that. that Right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So that can rub in a marriage too. And so figuring out, okay, you know, um, how do we give and how can we like embrace each other's differences in that way? But it's so funny, Andy, and you would totally get this being a marriage and money guy, all the things. But like when you start to give even just financially and you start to live with that open hand, you treat your spouse differently because you're learning to serve. And when you serve your spouse, your marriage changes. Like when you guys just serve each other, like that's where the beauty comes. It's amazing how much gets done if like you fight about who's going to do the dishes, who wants to do it. You know, let me do them. No, let me do them. I'm like, it's just a totally different environment when that's your marriage. And so when you're giving money, yes, you're giving money and you're helping other people. But as the giver, you have longer term happiness and it affects your giving in all other parts of your life as well. I love how you light up when we talk about giving. That's uh, that's a, that's yes. a good sign. Yeah. And then, and then the grace talk, we'll touch on that real quick. Yep. But I always say have, have grace because we're all going to make mistakes with money. We're all going to make mistakes with money. And I have a line in Smart Money, Smart Kids that I say uh, that too many rules is legalistic, but too much grace is enabling. So if there's a pattern of a money mistake over and over and over and over and over, then there's an issue that needs to be addressed. But I was talking to one lady and she was like, my husband committed financial infidelity. And I was like, oh yeah, because I mean, I've heard horror stories of that. And she was like, he went to Chick-fil-A with four people and didn't tell me. Like, that's literally 
what she told me. I was like, number one lady, he ate like Jesus chicken. Like, it's all good. Like, it's, it's all, good. I love Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the best. I was like, and he probably forgot. Like, chill out. So, like, some people are so uptight that I'm like, you need to have some grace. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Again, if there's a pattern that's occurred, then there's an issue that needs to be addressed. And but I'm sure she appreciated you giving her that permission, too. I hope so. I was like, your poor husband. Man, he better thank me. No, but yeah. So, yeah, those are a few talks you can have within your that's marriage. Great. I love that. Money, yeah. Thank you. So uh, when we're talking about this communication and this time spent with our with our spouse, you're a young parent. The two of you have very young children. Yes. Caroline and uh, Amelia. Amelia right? Good memory. Yes. Great. So what? Three and one? Yes. Two and three, one? That's it. Three and one. Oh yep. my gosh. So where? How do you and Winston carve out the time to still grow your relationship? In marriage, that's oh something that a lot of people struggle with. We li- a lot, of, a lot of young parents listen to this show. Totally. So you're right, you're right in that wheelhouse of like, okay, I'm in parent mode, or I'm in, I'm in grow my career mode. Yes. Or my, how do you guys um, make the time for for each other? Yes, um, a couple of things. We've decided. Someone gave us this advice early on, and we took it and ran with it. We have early bedtimes for the girls. The girls go down at seven thirty every night, and it may change a little when they get older. I don't know, but like they're done. Like they are in the rooms. Everything's done. So that means we have a good two hours pretty much every night if we're home. Uh, and Winston's a homebody, so we'll we'll do one or two social things in the week. But a lot of nights we choose to be home, especially if it's a crazy travel season for me. When I'm home, I'm like I want to be home. So. So, so at night we do get those hours. And now some nights we just turn on Netflix and just like check out, right? We're on the couch together and it's good. But other nights it's like, okay, no, we get to like have a few hours together. So that's been a huge thing really. Cause I've had some friends, their kids go to bed at nine, nine 30 and then they go to bed right after them. So for us, it's helped. And then also we do date nights as much as we can. And it was so funny. We like went through the season a few months ago where I feel like we had one like every other week. They just, we kept scheduling them. And Winston was like, I love it. I was like, I do too. So sometimes we schedule them three weeks out like this week I'm gone pretty much all week next week I go to LA then the next week I'm home so we like picked a night so we scheduled that three weeks ago to be okay that night we're we're going or we're going out together so we do that too because we both enjoy good food and just being out of the routine so date nights for us are huge um so yeah so that and um and not overbooking yourself too and Winston's good at that for us because I would probably book myself out all the time if people say I'd say yes to everything and so it's good to have that balance because us just being at home as a family is big. So Rachel, you're talking about some really complicated things here. I have to communicate with my wife <laughs> and I have to schedule time to be with her. What, what is this? this super is like, tough. It's super oof, tough. I know. Man. Hard things, guys. Hard things. <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk to you about in, in the foreword to your book, your dad... Dave Ramsey. He shares one of the fundamental pillars of Ramsey Solutions, which is our message will be alive and well long after we're gone. What does that message mean and how is that being manifested? Well, our mission statement as a company, we changed a little bit of the wording a few years ago because we are here to give biblically based common sense hope to everyone at every walk of life. And it used to be a money mission statement. And so we changed it because we're getting into all these other areas, leadership, business, and we are here to give hope. And my sector of all of that is the money. I love talking to people about money. And that's what we do. We say we, we insert hope in places and people that are hopeless. And so that's the core of what we do. And that's what we want to live on uh, forever and ever. Amen. We just want to be a place, Ramsey Solutions, that we give you solutions in your life that bring you hope. I love it. I love that solutions is the, in the name. I'm yes. sure that was purposeful. <laughs> yes. so, so you and Winston are in your young 30s. Yep. And you're... I'm to say you're doing pretty financially well. So 
a lot of the stuff that we like to talk about on our show is what do you do after debt freedom? Mm. What do you do when, like, man, you're, you're pretty set. What do you do to build that wealth so it lasts generations? What is exciting you in Winston right now as far as financial goals? Yes, um, a couple of things. I I love to travel. Like traveling for me is like I love I love vacations, <laughs> like all of that. So so we made a goal that we'll do a fun trip a year, um, and so we will sometimes split it up into smaller trips. So this year actually we're doing like two days here, two days there, like different places. But um, that's so that's one thing we always say for every year that we get to do a fun trip. Um, either it's been just me and Winston. We've left the girls honestly the last two years. We're gonna bring them along this time. But I'm sure, you have some um, good grandparents. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, That and Winston loves real estate. That's what he does with his job. And so we bought a foreclosure. It was in foreclosure probably six years ago, our first little... uh, Good timing. It it was. Oh, wasn't it? That's that's (laughs) the only way we could do it. Uh, This tiny, crappy condo, I'll say it, because it was just terrible. But it was super cheap. And we had saved up for when something came across that way. And it came. And at six years ago, we wrote a check and bought this little condo outside of Nashville. And that was our first rental as a couple. Yep. And so we've kind of built upon that. And um, it's that's the amazing thing. And I say this all the time, though, when you are debt-free, your income's not being stolen from you. It's hard to build wealth when it's going when your income's going out to payments. And so part of being debt-free is that when you are, your income comes in and you're like, yeah, exactly what you said. Like, what do we want to do? So for us, real estate is just a fun place. We, of course, do retirement and all of that, the investment part. But but the real estate side, we both kind of love. That's so awesome. it's been fun, yeah. So you said the down payment was on a 30-year and you put the <laughs> down payment on a 0% credit card? No, no, sorry. Right. Sorry. Had to, 100% down. Had crazy. To, had to do my crazy. Debt, debt joke. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Hey, well, mortgage is the one type of debt we won't yell at so you for. Okay. There you okay, go. Okay. Your primary home. There primary we go. Home. <laughs> Rachel, where can people find your book? Yes, any major bookstore, rachelcruz.com, Amazon, yeah, all the above. Everybody, that's called Love Your Life, Not Theirs, and that's Rachel Cruz. Where can people find the YouTube show and catch up with you? Yes, uh, yeah, my YouTube show is our newest thing we're doing, and it's been so fun. So uh, an episode comes out every other week right now. Hoping to get it more, but we move at the speed of cash around Ramsey Solutions, as you know. So when we have the funds, then we can up it, but we're, we're working on that right now. So, um, yeah, the YouTube show's great, and then Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, rachelcruz.com has everything as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. This yeah, was a pleasure. thanks for having I me on. I like doing podcasts in person, too. Absolutely. Much <laughs> better. Person, person. <laughs> I have to be honest with you guys. I am a huge supporter of Rachel Cruz and her message. I I read her first book, Smart Money, Smart Kids, when it came out in 2014. And uh, even though Zoe was uh, like two years old at the time, I was devising how I could work with her to become a money smart kid. And well, we, we still had to conquer the whole potty training thing first, but you know, I guess potty training, then money training, right? (laughs) Anyway, I got a lot out of this interview and I want to share my top three takeaways with you all right now. So here we go. Number one, talk with your spouse about their money story. No matter the stage of your marriage early on or later on or anywhere in between, take some time to dive deeper and discover our internal motivations with money. Not only did Rachel highlight this with me today, but this has been something that um, it's been an incredible exercise that Nicole and I have been doing in our marriage therapy sessions lately. We go deeper than the surface level of what we're spending and why we're 
spending it. We talk about things like what were the conversations around money in your house growing up? Was it a, a stressful topic? Was it a joyful topic? And, and why? Just kind of diving a little deeper. Some of these discussions can help you and your spouse get a deeper level of understanding of our true motivations around money. Let's say your spouse grew up poor and their parents were constantly working hard to save so they could protect and take care of their family. Do you think understanding that situation might help you step into their shoes for a moment as you guys are arguing about (laughs) whatever money fight that's going on right now? Something to think about um, for sure. Number two, put your marriage first, even with your young kids. Rachel and her husband, Winston, are busy parents. They both work hard, have successful careers, and they have two girls under four years old. Oh my God. (laughs) Like Rachel said, that's some serious juggling. She used the right word, but instead of balance, juggling, because that's what it is, man. But even with all that craziness, they still make time to spend quality time with each other. They schedule it. They communicate with each other. They go on dates. Remember dates? (laughs) We can't forget about those things, you busy parents out there. I'm talking to myself, too. And uh, and she said they're really strict on bedtime, too, with the girls. They go to bed early so mom and dad can have some peace, some quiet, and some special time together. Kudos to the Cruz family for taking action and keeping the love alive. Because, my friends, without the solid marriage, there's no happiness with the kids and the money. You see what I did there? Marriage first, then kids, then money. Anyway, number three, write down two things that you're grateful for each day. This one was by far my favorite piece of advice. There are days when we're down, man. You're you're late for work. The boss is a jerk. You spill mustard on your white shirt. You're car breaks down, you stub your toe, your son pees the bed for the fourth night in the row. Oh my God. Yeah, you guys are hearing it. That's Calvin, Uh, but uh, we're working on that. (laughs) On those tough days and in those tough moments, it's good practice just to count your blessings. I may have mustard on my shirt right now, but I'm glad that I have clean clothes to change into. I'm glad that I have a washing machine with fresh water to quickly and easily clean my shirt. My son is peeing the bed again, and I have to wash the sheets again. But you know what? I have a son. (laughs) I love him so much. He's my world. I love my boy, and he loves me. He gives me monster hugs when I come home, and he, he tells me that he loves me. He wants to wrestle with me. He fills my heart with so much joy. And that's the kind of gratitude that I'm talking about, my friends. Let's all do this. Let's write down two things each day that we're grateful for. That way, when there's pee in the bed or mustard on our shirt, we can look at that list on our phones or on a piece of paper, wherever you want to put it, and say, man, life's not that bad. I have a lot to be thankful for. 
So those were my top three takeaways, everyone. Number one, talk with your spouse about their money story. Number two, put your marriage first, even with young kids. And then number three, write down two things that you're grateful for each day. For number three, I was so motivated by this one that I decided to do something special for this episode. I was at FinCon. I actually am still at FinCon while I'm recording this. I decided to walk around the conference, FinCon, the uh, conference for money and media folks, and I asked my money expert colleagues. I mean, it was awesome. I was surrounded by 2,000 folks there who are um, really diving deep into money and helping everybody succeed. I wanted to ask them two things that they're grateful for, and uh, here's what I got. I'm Candice Marie from YoungYetWise.com, and I am grateful just to be alive, you know, just to have all my limbs properly working, and to also just be able to network with so many other amazing people here at FinCon. Hey, Andy Hill. This is Andy Wong from the Inspired Money Podcast. I am so very grateful. You asked me for two things. Can I say three? Or maybe this will count as one. I have three children who I am grateful for every morning, evening. Um, occasionally, I'm not grateful for them. There, there are those moments, too. But we, for a very long time, had trouble having children, adopted all three. So I'm just so grateful to have this beautiful family. Uh, other than that, I work with my family, so that's the second item that I'm grateful for. Working with my brother, my father, my mother, being able to see them every Monday through Friday, occasionally weekends too, and it's a little difficult to know when we're working or not working because we're always working, but super grateful for all of that. Hi, I'm Bonnie Koo. I blog at MissBonnieMD.com. Today, I am grateful for, uh, I'm grateful for the coffee I had this morning, always a wonderful thing. And the second thing I'm grateful for today is meeting so many wonderful people today at FinCon 18. It is such a truly supportive and collaborative environment. Hi, I'm Tori. I'm from Seattle. I run digital marketing at Tomorrow, and I also blog on personal finance and career for millennial women at Victory Media. My two things, grateful for supportive friends and family, grateful for people who show up for me, and I have been suffering from imposter syndrome lately, uh, especially in the last couple weeks. And I am trying to reframe it as looking at people who are doing really incredible things and figuring out how I can support them rather than like a jealous, like envious feeling, just, you know, feeling proud of them and wanting to support them in everything I do and everything they do. Um, Other things, uh, I'm grateful I live alone. (laughs) That's one thing I'm realizing too, is talking to a lot of people in the personal finance community who are like, of course, saving, you know, saving money by like living with a roommate. I'm spending more money than I probably should be on my apartment, but I live alone and it's great. Um, So just having the opportunity to like come home and like take off all my clothes if I want to and just, yeah, just hang out has been really nice. So that's something that I've kind of learned over the past week of just like having my own space and my own time, especially in my my day-to-day life has been really great too. Hi, this is Bill from FamZoo.com, but uh, we'll lump some of them all together, my family, and I happen to be a new grandfather, so uh, that I'm super grateful for. All upside, no downside, but grateful for my five healthy kids, my wife, and my little dog, Colby, and uh, I'm grateful for computer science. Changed my life. Hey, this is Thomas Minter with City for Millennials. Two things that I'm grateful for are one, my new wife, we just got married uh, three weeks ago, had an amazing honeymoon. 
best thing in my, uh, in my life. Two is my endless amount of energy. I don't know how it came to me, but it's really uh, paid dividends in my career and um, into the future. I hope it will uh, maintain because it's, it's really fun and I have a lot of energy and it, it, it helps out. Ginny Swats and I write for MissMillenniumMagazine.com. First thing I'm grateful for is my support system. My family and friends that support me and everything that I do is really awesome. Um, and another thing would probably be FinCon, actually, in the community. And just learning from everyone here is amazing. My name is Kevin Griffin. I'm the owner of SwiftKick, a software consulting company. I'm also the co-host of Two Frugal Dudes podcast. And I am grateful for my wife and my three wonderful little boys. Uh, they are why I get up every morning and why I do what I do every single day. Hi, this is Ariana Sylvester from TomAndAriana.com and The Lifestyle Builders. And two things that I am grateful for are, I think, the fact that my husband gave me the space and the time to come into my own as an entrepreneur and to do it my own way. Um, as that is something that's really hard, I know, for a lot of entrepreneurs to do is to wait for their spouse to figure that out and to, you know, join them in this space. And I think the second thing that I'm extremely grateful for is the amazing support that I have found from all of the entrepreneur communities that I'm in, the, uh, the amazing friends that I have gotten to have and, and meet in person by going to these live events and just people that I know truly, truly care about us and, you know, sharing all of that with everyone in these communities has been just awesome. Hi, I'm Cassie Michael from The Thrifty Couple, and I am grateful for the opportunity to help people learn how to become debt-free, and I'm thankful to have the freedom to stay at home with my kids. Hey, this is Sean Marion with the Two Frugal Dudes podcast, and I am grateful for community. Just uh, sur you know, being able to surround myself with people that have you know brought me to the level I am today. I truly wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for the great people I've chosen to surround myself with. So just grateful to find people in this world that are willing to you know shed into me, and you know I at the same time now that you know I can also have something to give to them. So yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> Isn't that nice and refreshing when you hear people talk about the things that they are grateful for? Health, the opportunity to collaborate with colleagues, family, community. That is what it's all about. Rachel Cruz's partner, Chris Hogan, was also at FinCon, and he said something that stuck with me as he was presenting to the crowd of 2,000 people at this conference. He said, it's hard to be hateful when you're grateful. It's hard to be hateful when you're grateful. I like that. So, yeah, so now it's my turn, everybody. My name is Andy Hill from Marriage, Kids, and Money. And I'm grateful for my wife, my best friend, Nicole Hill. And um, I'm grateful for this podcast. I love being able to talk to you all about these topics and personally improve at being a good husband, a good dad, and somebody who's trying to build their wealth, and uh, also to connect with you all. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. time to announce the money master of the week rachel from seattle called in to tell us about her debt crushing win yes i did say rachel so there's two rachels on the show now 
<laughs> the floor is yours, Rachel. My name is Rachel Slifka. I'm from Seattle, Washington, and the blogger at rachelslifka.com. I graduated college with $30,000 of student loan debt. My most recent money win was paying off all of my student loans in three years' time. I did this by moving up quickly in my career in human resources and by freelance writing on the side. These two moves ultimately allowed me to quadruple my income since my first job out of college, and now I earn well over six figures at the age of 26. So what's next? Now we are focused on paying off my husband's student loan debt and plan to double our retirement savings rate. I also plan to continue increasing my income even more through my freelance writing side gig. We also believe in celebrating money wins, so we are saving and planning a dream trip abroad to mark paying off my student loans. Rachel's pulling in over $100,000 at age 26. That is incredible. My favorite part of the story is that Rachel knew that she wanted to get rid of this debt, so she made a plan, an action plan. She focused on growing her career, and, and, and she picked up some side gig work that made her happy and made her money. It's amazing how much you can make on the side when you're really motivated. $30,000 of debt crushing money in three years. That is incredible. If you want to learn more about Rachel and follow her journey to personal finance success, check her out at rachelslifka.com. That's rachelslifka.com. I'll put that in the show notes, everybody, so you can check it out. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your awesome money win and congratulations for being our money master of the week. Do you have a recent financial victory that you want to share on the show? I would love to hear it. I'm losing my voice. Can you guys tell that I went to FinCon and just talked to a lot of people? <laughs> anyway, email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail, which is awesome because uh, it's great to hear everybody's voice like Rachel. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. I would love to hear from you either way. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 102. Hey, friends, I was not the winner of Best Family Finance Blog this year. But you know what was cool? One of the past guests of this show was the winner, Liz from Chief Mom Officer. She is killing it over there. If you guys want to learn how to be a six-figure breadwinning mom, you guys should check out her stuff and give her a congratulations. She's over at chiefmomofficer.org. So yeah, way to go, Liz. Very proud of you. That's awesome. And I look forward to collaborating with you in the future. This month on the show, we have an excellent lineup. Next week, we're back live from the floor of FinCon. I'm going to be asking a lot of smart money nerds how saving money can change the world. Yeah, pretty big stuff. And we also hear from Ally Bank, who's going to help us save a little faster. The week after that, we've got multimillionaire Rocky Lavani. He's going to join me to discuss why we need to be flexible to live an abundant life. Yeah. That sounds, uh, that sounds exciting. And the week after that, we got Farnoosh Tarabi, author, podcaster, and family woman. I discuss with her the dynamic when women 
make more than men. A very interesting conversation. And then the last week of the month, we've got Eric Rosenberg, who is now consistently making $10,000 per month working from home as a writer. And we're going to discuss how that's helping him to become a better dad. That's our month ahead, everyone. It's going to be fun, informative, and full of wealth-building goodness. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Plato. The greatest wealth is to live content with little. Here's to loving what you have. Carpe diem! 